You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. This is from Matthew 6, and um, verses 19 to 34. Do not store up for your, yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, where you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That is the word of God. Amen. Here we are, just over a week into the new year. How many of you know at this time of year you find yourself having a bit of a sense of fresh vision? Or how many people set some goals for 2023? Anybody? Common, right? Really common that we come to the beginning of the year and we start to look ahead again. And we're like, okay, what are we going to do? And we want to set these goals. And often they're around food or fitness or finances or family. You know, these things are the things that we end up focusing on, what we, these areas of life we want to change. And they're great. It's great to have goals. Goal setting can be a super powerful practice. And what I wanted us to do today is just really consider the fact that as a Jesus follower, a key part of setting a goal for the year ahead or any part of your life at any time, a key step would be, Jesus, what do you want me to focus on? It's really simple, right? <laughs> it's like, hey, I'm following Jesus, right? And so if I'm following Jesus, I ought to be asking Jesus what he wants me to focus on. 
And that can come to you through a moment where the Spirit actually gives you a personalized message. But we also believe that we can look into the Scriptures and hear from Jesus what He wants us to focus on. And you may have already caught it. There's a, there's a, there's a small portion of what Telsey just read to us where Jesus tells us. It's a really well-known verse. He tells us what He wants us to focus on. He tells us what our goal should be. And when, you, when you're getting a personalized message from the Spirit for your life and for your goals, I would hope that you could look into the Scriptures and the words of Jesus, and there would be some similarity between them, that they would, they would connect. Are you with me? So Jesus here is, you know, telling people, it's really common for you to get focused and fixated on your needs being met, right? It's really common for you to get focused and fixated on, on these things that I know you need, right? But he's essentially saying, don't get your priorities messed up. Okay, guys? And I want us just to think about this as we, as we jump into this today. I want to ask you the question, what are you aiming your life at? What is the ultimate goal of your life? So here we sit at the beginning of 2023 thinking about maybe some goals. And I just ask you to think about that. What is the aim of your life? So I want to talk today about the one, just the power of having goals and priorities. But then I want to talk about the ultimate goal. Okay? So first off, just the power. There is a power in having goals and priorities. And it's interesting to me that in the context of what we, we just read, okay, there is this verse. And I'll just tell you what it is. Maybe you already figured out which one it is. This verse where Jesus says, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, Right? And he says, and all these other things, all these other things that you tend to worry about, they'll be added to you. They'll be given to you. Don't worry about it. Your father knows you need them, right? So the goal that he says, the top priority he gives us, seek first what? God's kingdom and his righteousness, okay? And, and six times in the entire passage that Telsey just read to us, the word worry comes up. And there's this sense in which God is saying to us, you know, you can either worry or you can focus on this. Choice is yours. And it's almost like they're held up to us, right, as these options. And in the, in the seek first, in the focus, there's some other words in the passage that we'll see. He says, you know, look at the birds, See the flowers, right? Consider these things. Seek the kingdom. And you know, here we are as Canadians, right? We might not spend a lot of time worrying about what we're going to eat or what we're going to wear. We live in a pretty abundantly resourced part of the world. You know what I'm talking about, right? So maybe you don't worry a lot about those things, but in a sense, we can worry about getting more of them, 
I want more of them. Or we can worry a lot these days about having the freedom to choose. Choose whatever I want. And in understanding the power of having goals and priorities, I think it's actually helpful for us to understand something that psychologists call overchoice or choice overload is another term they use for it. And this idea was actually introduced uh, in the 70s, but people began to research it and actually do studies around the idea. And there was a book that was written in 2004 by a psychologist by the name of Barry Schwartz, and the book was called The Paradox of Choice, Why More is Less. And in this study, in this research, what has been discovered is that having too many choices. There's actually a, such thing as a surplus, an excess of choice and options. And having too many actually leads to fatigue, depression, anxiety from being overwhelmed. And that it's actually, it's a thing. There's research that shows this. And so there's actually this power that in having goals and priorities set, you limit your options. You narrow your focus, and by having these limited options, you're actually undermining that fatigue, that stress, that depression, that anxiety that can come by limiting the focus, by limiting our options. Are you with me? And I think it's no surprise that we live in the most option-rich society the world has ever known. And we also live in probably the most mentally unstable society the world has ever known. It's wild, huh? We have like, with, with, with these, you have, I heard somebody put it this way, you have like a thousand options of ways to spend your time in your pocket at all times, Right? Or we have unlimited options, in a sense, compared to anyone else who's lived before of food and clothing and opportunities. Nowadays, you can even choose your sexuality, your gender. You can actually even choose what species you want to be, just so you know. There, there's, this, there's this endless amount of options that you're given to figure out who you want to be, what you want to do, etc., etc., etc. The choice is yours. And the thing that we are told is that having all of this... And no focus, no restraint, no, nothing constricted. It's the freedom we need. And yet we have a generation that is the most anxious, depressed, mentally unstable, to use Jesus' word, worried, it's ever been. Sometimes when we think about our goals for a year, see, we think about adding to our life. I'm going to do more of this. I'm going to add this. I'm going to add that. And I would just offer to you the idea, maybe, if you ask Jesus what he wants you to focus on this year, he might actually take away. There might actually be some subtracting, some, some removing things from your plate and from your schedule, and a reducing of focus so that what you are doing, you do well. Okay? Because having overcommitment and, and too many goals just gets you scattered and renders you ineffective. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? You're, you're, you're Westerners, right? We all, we all know what that's like. 
But something happens when we, when we narrow our focus to what it's going to be. And I found myself thinking along the lines of, in marriage, how this works. If I will commit to that, I am going to work towards a strong connection with this one person for the rest of my life. It's a game changer for marriage. Versus, my goal is, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to keep my options open. The grass might be greener over here, right? Those sort of thoughts, those sort of keep my options open, they don't bring strength to my life. They undermine it. And that, that, that narrowing in, that single-minded focus, I'm going to build a connection with this person for the rest of my life, yes. uh, is, is, is like, is powerful. It's a game changer. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean there's not going to be, you know, our stuff that we run into that we have to work through. But the commitment is this person, rest of my life, right? And there's a power that comes to life as a result. And there's this sense in which when I read this scripture, what Telsey just read to us, I feel like Jesus is telling us, you know, there's a trade-off. You gotta, you gotta choose. He opens it up with saying, right? You can't serve two masters. You just can't do it. You need one ultimate master of your life, right? And when you read the, the, the main statement, the kind of focus I feel like from this message and that I hope we'll take into this year and beyond, into the rest of our lives, seek first the kingdom, right? It says this, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you, right? What if we invert it? What if we flip it? Try it out with me. Seek first all these things and worry about them, and the kingdom of God and righteousness will be taken from you. Which one do you want? It's a <laughs> gold star, Lee. Gold star. The uh, there's there's this there is this sense in which it's like, which one do you want? Which one do you want? And the amazing thing is, is that is that if you go after the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things will be given as well. But don't turn that into a means to an end thing. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, okay, so hold on, hold on. Jesus, you're saying I can have all that stuff if I seek first the kingdom and your righteousness. You know, it's like you're turning the kingdom of God and his righteousness into a means to the end. And actually, in the end, what you're really still seeking is all those things. You know what I'm saying? He's our prize, he's the reward, he's our treasure. And, 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 and what he's, Jesus is calling us to is like, let, let my kingdom and my way, the pursuit of that, be the ultimate goal in your life. Now, in him saying all these things will be added, it's like, he gets it. Why, why, do, we, why do we concern ourselves with all these things? Guess what? Because you need them. 
He even says it. He says, your Father in heaven knows that you need them. In the same way he knows what the grass needs and what the birds need, he knows what you need. And guess what? You're more valuable to him than the birds and then the grass and the flowers and all that stuff. So he's got you covered. But it's interesting. He validates that there needs. There's nothing wrong or unhealthy with, with, with working hard and seeking to provide for your family and take care of your responsibilities and all that stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're going to seek his kingdom and his righteousness, which is ultimately the right way, his way, it comes with work. Your vocation, your job, your, 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 your handling your money, it's a godly thing. Nothing wrong with it. But what are you seeking first? He's saying, don't worry about these things. He says, don't worry about, at the, near the very end, tomorrow. Right? And there's this sense in which money, food, clothes, all those things, right, that he's talking about. If you wrap them all up, they're kind of just worrying about tomorrow. Because we're trying to secure our future through having more of these things, through storing up our barn or our bank account enough, right? And, and we're aiming our life at this future security we hope we can have if we can get enough of them. But he says, don't worry about tomorrow. And do you know what 99%, I'm just grabbing a random number out of the air, well, 99% is not really random. We always go to that one. But anyway, I have no proof on this. But most cases of anxiety, do you know what they have in common? Belief in a future that's not going to be okay. And we worry about this thing out there that's not here yet, and we think it's not going to be okay, and everything's going to fall apart, and, and we dwell on it. But guess what your past and your present might say to you? You're going to be okay. You're right here, right now. Everybody in the room has clothes on their body, praise the Lord. And we're breathing, and chances are you've been fed, and you've found water and shelter and these different things because, I mean, you're, you're here. This morning. And I get that there's people out there who don't have as much access to that as we do. And we should be concerned about that, seeking to do something about it. Are you with me, right? Your past and your present are evidence to that it's going to be okay. Your past and your present may be evidence, too, that some stuff's going to go down, you know, you're going to be okay. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't make tomorrow and securing tomorrow through all these things the ultimate aim of your life. Don't trade the kingdom of God and his righteousness for the pursuit of these things. Don't obsess over it, right? So what does he say to focus our lives on? We've been saying it over and over. So rather than this being rhetorical, what does he say to aim our lives at? His kingdom and his righteousness. There we go. There we go. 
What does that mean? What does that mean? What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is where God is king. It's that simple. Got a good soundtrack this morning. I like it. It's good. It's better than a loud ring. It was way better than a loud ring. Kingdom of God is where God is king. Righteousness is essentially things as they were meant to be. Right. Sometimes I think we'd be better off these days in our modern language to just say rightness. So, so he's saying pursue God being king and things right as they should be in your life. Now, what did, what did Jesus go about saying and tell his followers to say wherever they went? He said this, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Jesus understood that because of his submission to the Father as king, right here, internal, in Jesus, God was king. And so everywhere Jesus went, he could say to people, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And he told his disciples, those who would follow him, to everywhere they went, say, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And we all want to see the kingdom of God on earth, do we? He says, pray for heaven to be on earth, right? Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the prayer, that's the aim, that's the goal, that's the mission, the mandate. Where does it start? Right here. We, we want to, we tend to want to see it out there. And he's saying, let it start right here. Aim your life at pursuing the kingdom of God and his righteousness manifest in you. Because here's the thing, guys. We all want to see earth more like heaven. Do we agree on that? I got a big rowdy amen a minute ago, so I'm guessing I'm still, we're still there. And <clears throat> you want to see earth become more like heaven? Become more like Jesus. More people like Jesus means more of earth like heaven. Hallelujah. Absolutely. Because, see, the idea of we're going to make all of earth like heaven, it's a pretty big, abstract, hard thing to figure out. And God might gift you in ways where you figure out how you're going to get clean water to those who don't have it or start a business that meets a need or all these different things. God, but guess what? All those things happen through people, right? So there are ways but even the goal of become more like Jesus, I mean, that's a pretty high and lofty goal. Would we agree? But at least it's a personally applicable pursuit and goal. It's actually something that you might have a bit of control over and be able to move towards and measure. You remember... Maybe you've heard this before, but I've heard it from all sorts of people. 
and, and looking at people who, who say, you know, I want to change the world, the response is, well, clean your room. Make your bed. Clean your room. Start by cleaning your bedroom. I see some parents looking at, at children here. Uh, maybe some spouses are looking left and right too. I don't know. But the uh, clean your bedroom. You want to change the world? Clean your room. You want to make earth more like heaven? Seek to become more like Jesus. You guys, you realize, like, this is, this is not just, like, the, the New Year's resolution of 2023. This is an instruction that's been standing there as probably the best goal that's ever been given for a human life for thousands of years. So it's not like next year, beginning of 2024, I'm going to come to you with, like, a new goal. <laughs> like, oh, we've got to become like Jesus stuff. No, we're not doing that anymore. We moved on. You know, it's like, no, this is the thing. This is the ultimate goal. There's nothing that you can put in place of it that's higher, that's better. Romans 8, 29, Paul makes a statement. He says that, you know, God foreknew you, and those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And then it says that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers. In other words, Jesus was to be the firstborn amongst a bunch of other siblings who look a lot like him. That's you guys. That's me. That's any of us who seek to follow him. That is your destiny. God's destiny that he, that he planned for you from before the foundations of the world is that you would look like Jesus. And this is, this is maybe countercultural because right now the culture says the ultimate goal is you figure out who you are and manifest it. And, 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 a, and a bunch of kids are growing up being like, what does that mean? We don't know. You know, it's okay. It's going to be awesome, whatever it is. Like, and, and, and actually, the kingdom says, no, no, no. The ultimate goal isn't be you. The ultimate goal is be like Jesus. So you want to understand who you were meant to be. Wow, I'm getting excited here. I don't know if anybody else saw that. but <laughs> You want to understand who you're meant to be. Be like Jesus. And there's something really profound, guys, about having a king. I'm just going to say that, okay? Having somebody who you submit your life to is actually a really powerful thing. Because it removes all the options. It removes all the questions. Like, it doesn't mean we don't still have questions. But when we have questions, we know where to go. I heard when I was looking at this whole overchoice thing, I came across this fact that there was a study done that compared American culture to French culture. Because in American culture, which we can really relate to for sure, is, is this high value of personal freedom and choice, right? And the study was <clears throat> about parents who have a child on life support. And they got to pull the plug. 
And, and in the American culture, uh, it was the parents' decision that had to, had to ultimately be made to do that, to make that choice. In France, that was a choice that was entrusted to doctors and to professionals. And it was actually the doctors with the professional understanding that would make the decision. And what the study did is they interviewed parents following that event in their life. And the level of anxiety and regret and pain was way higher in the American population than the French population. And there was something about that moment of like, we don't know what to do, where, where, the, where the French population could say, you know, entrust it to the professional, so to speak, that actually removed a lot of the worry and the anxiety and the pain and the regret. Still painful, no, no question about that. But my point is, is that there's something about actually submitting to him who knows better than you do that's actually strengthening in your life, that can actually overcome the worry and the anxiety and all of the stuff that comes with just trying to figure it out on your own. And so the great goal that I would ask us all to consider for 2023 is can we together seek to become more like Jesus? Now that can be really abstract and out there still, right? There may be specific things that he's speaking to you to remove from your life in pursuit of becoming more like him. There may be some practices or rhythms that he is leading you to add to your life. But we do believe that he can show us and he can give us impressions and he can speak to us. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you that in him we can look and we can actually see what it looks like for the ultimate good and love and wisdom to be embodied in the life of a human. We can look at him and we can learn from him who it is you've called us to be. We thank you for the text of the scriptures where we can actually read accounts of those who walked with him and talked with him and knew him. Lord, we thank you for it. And we ask that by your spirit you would open our hearts and our lives to, to say yes to aiming our life at becoming like Jesus. God, in all of the other goals and all of the stuff that maybe you've put in people's hearts, dreams and ambitions and, and various things, Lord, I ask that you would bring them into alignment with this ultimate aim to become like Jesus. Amen. All right, next week, guys, we're going to actually look into a little bit of what we've been feeling like the Lord is calling us as a church community to focus on in this pursuit. So I hope you can be with us next week. Have an awesome Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Life Tree, 
we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Lifetree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.